Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Ray Allen Canine. It's no secret that we love Ray Allen Canine equipment. We use their products every single day at both Van Ness Canine and at Torchlight. Their mission statement says it all, to be the world leader in quality innovation for professional canine equipment for police, military, Schutzen, and ring sport. Tend to exceed their customers' expectations and deliver on time every time at a fair price. We full-heartedly believe that they've held true to that since it is our go-to one-stop shop for everything canine, not just police dogs, but for any working dog. This episode is also brought to you by our good friends over at Dogtra, dogtra.com. It's the e-collars that Ted and I use. It's the e-collars most police dog guys use. Dogtra.com, e-collars, bark collars, ball launchers, one-stop shop for everything you need for your working dog, dogtra.com. One of the other sponsors we're proud to have is Hits Canine Training Conference. It's the premier Amer- it's the premier canine training seminar in the United States, packed to the rim with the world's best instructors covering important topics from admins to liability to detection work, all and tracking and everything in between. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. Hits 2022 is being held in Orlando in August. Uh, so hit them up, hitscanine.net. We're super happy to be uh, represented by our good friends at Kinetic Dog Food. Uh, we've got great reviews from people all over the place. Uh, ever since we, we joined up with them and partnered with them, their uh, commitment to your dog's nutrition is top-notch. KineticDogFood.com. Check them out. Jim over at NC Canine out in North Carolina. It's the culmination of 13 years of experience in handling or training uh, law enforcement canines. They use real world deployments to develop their training program and rely not only on their experience, but the current experience of the nation's canine handlers provide the best canine partner you can get. They provide pet training and police canine training based out of Four Oaks, North Carolina, and they serve the surrounding areas as well as nationally. Feel free to call them and learn more about their dog training program, police canine techniques and methodologies. We got a brand new sponsor, man, American Aluminum Accessories. Uh, my entire time in canine and ever since I've been involved in the dogs, the kennel in the back of our cruisers has always been American aluminum. Uh, check them out. Uh, we're so happy to have them on here. Easyrideronline.com. Easyrideronline.com for everything you need from American aluminum accessories. Speaking of kennels, once you get out of the car, you got to have somewhere to put them. So our friends up in Ohio at Horizon Structures make a one-stop shop for kennel. If you want a two-dog kennel or if you want a 20-dog kennel, they got you covered. They get those things built and they drop it off at your house. All you got to have is a pad, electricity, and water, and you can put dogs in it that day. Horizon Structures can build you anything from mild to wild, and it is the one-stop shop, and you don't have to swing a single hammer. So hit them up, horizonstructures.com. All right, everybody, we are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting The Bite. Coming to you from Canton, Ohio and Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is going to be uh, part two, our first part two, actually. Uh, We've had guests on two, three, four times, but we've never done part two. Uh, The last uh, um, episode with our buddy Travis Bobo was so good, and we realized when we got done that we didn't even cover his second dog, and there's a lot more to it. Um, But anyways, I'm coming to you from uh, my beautiful lake house it's really nice out today uh ted from tulsa oklahoma shirtless as usual sleeveless i should say hey i like it's that. hot how'd you get that thing in the back i haven't i'm looking at my <laughs> blinds you got some cool shit so what's going that's on our, there? that's our thing for conferences that we use yeah, for the booth and stuff when we go to hits and uh, i figured i'd use it since we haven't had it out since for covid <laughs> so i was yeah. like fuck it i'll get this thing out and use it as a backdrop i mean that's what it's for so 
Yeah. And has a podium. Our buddy Brian's it. like, yes, we're not looking at <laughs> your bedroom and I got to yeah. do something back here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's hot. That's why I got sleeveless stuff. I, I mean, I don't have, I mean, I have shirts with sleeves. I wear a lot of hoodies, but I mean, Lies. it's fucking hot. It's hot as shit here. It's like mm-hmm. 95 degrees and it's humid. It's super windy today. I'm wearing a dogs. tomorrow. I'm wearing a sleeveless shirt. There you go. Just, most I of these start. Out. I got to cut one. So <laughs> uh, most of these start out with sleeves. So the um, <laughs> thing end up without them. Just I just get frustrated. I'm like it's super fucking hot. So uh, so just kind of recap. We had Travis on the last episode. So this one, uh, last episode, you know, we kind of talked about how you did eight years before you even went over to selection um, and. <laughs> You picked yeah. dogs because you didn't want to be a SWIC instructor. Uh, we talked about your dog pooping on the tarmac and eating Sudanese bacon from the ambassador. <laughs> uh, and then punching people in strip club parking lots. So um, can I step in a- here real quick to add uh, on that? Uh, sure. So I was thinking about something in regards to the uh, knocking dudes out in the strip club parking lot and who Travis was with that night at the at the um, strip club. And it was our friend, uh, Josh David, from two episodes ago, or three episodes ago, I think it is. And I just want to play you a little segment of that interview when he claimed that he has never been to a strip club. Talk to us about when you get to uh, Denver, Indiana, to uh, see Timo. Did you go right to the strip club? The, yeah, I was going to say. I, you know, I've actually never been to a strip club. Oh, I know, right? I might be the only person in my community who's never done that. Coming from, um, coming from Tulsa, that's, yeah. that's saying something. Yeah. Okay, as you can see from the audio <laughs> that we put in there, he's truly busted. So I'm not even a chick. I don't know who you're trying to, to convince, uh, Josh, that you've never been to a strip club. But, again, nobody buys it. So, anyways. Man, I yeah, why? Why would you lie about that? Like of all things, like yeah, what's the, what's there to be ashamed of? Yeah. We used to play. Anal a game is called- gross. What's the, is that next? <laughs> Josh, stop. We, we used to play a game in strip clubs called "How Much Money Do You Make?" And right. I used to tell strippers I was an artist, and they're like, "Oh, like are you famous?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm super famous. Like you see my work all over the place." So they're like, you know, whatever. And they're like, where, you know, and I had some girl finally ask me, she's like, where can I see your art? And I was like, you know, those lines on the road, that's me. <laughs> and she got up and didn't talk to me the rest of the night. I was yeah. like, yes, fantastic. So uh, we have Agner good has, benefits. You should just Agner, do that. <laughs> Agner has another story similar to that, but I'll have to let him tell it some <laughs> So uh, we're going to pick up kind of like where we left off. Um, we left off last time. Uh, you were still up in Indiana um, and at the strip club. That's where we ended. Uh, mm-hmm. So you were there um, getting your second dog. Uh, actually, your third dog, because your first dog you in, that was injured uh, when she broke her foot, um, jumping out of it. Was she burnt out of a parking garage? Or what was it? I don't remember. No, it was a uh, it was a mount site. It was a training village. Ah, so okay. we had these. Um, essentially, they were barracks. They were old barracks um, right. with the windows already busted out of them. She left a third story window. Uh, dogs uh so you know at this point um you do a rotation um you were in the country um the middle east and then you were in central africa uh you come back that dog gets retired um so how did we start the second dog and the process Uh, with that 
Yeah, so it, it was started the same, the, the same as the first. I went back to Von Lake Kennels. Um, and uh, I, I'm sure you guys are familiar with this, but for anyone listening that's not, um, any dog that, that is being picked up by USASAC, it has to go through the full a green dog training program. Um, and it's got to go through the full basic course. So someone's got to carry the dog through. Um, so we went back up. I went back up. Um, a couple guys from the group. And uh, Mr. Putnam selected the second dog, um, kind of with my input this time, because I had a little bit of experience. Um, so I got a dog named Robbie. Um, good dog, solid dog. Uh, we actually ran Robbie and a spare um, through the course and we ended up bringing both of the dogs back. Um, so I, I get the dog back to group, back to third group. Um, I was only on ground back home uh, for two or three months and it was time to turn and burn again. The dog wasn't ready yet, I was ready. So I ended up grabbing Jasmine because I had already pulled Jasmine, the, uh, mm -hmm. the dog, the veteran dog that was supposed to be retired and uh, bringing her back overseas with me again. Um, and I actually brought two dogs. That was my trip with the SMU was that second trip. Mm -hmm. um, so I brought a dog from the SMU, single purpose, off lead, uh, floppy ear, and brought Jasmine with me. Um, and I'm glad I did because the, the single purpose ended up bowing out first month in, couldn't handle the environmentals, couldn't handle the heat, riding around in the trucks. So phenomenal dog detection back in the rear, um, but just shut down completely overseas. Yeah. Um, did you find that it was like the noise, just everything? We, we interviewed um, a handler before and the dog started to figure out um, as it was getting closer to, I think it was Yuma. When they would go to Yuma, the dogs would realize what was happening because they, they had been there before and they, they just started shutting down. Then when they got overseas, it was just too much from the day one. How, how long were you there before you started noticing that? Almost immediately. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, the, this dog had a history. Um, this dog had been on that compound for many years. Um, and it was trained by some of the best guys in the industry. So the dog showed well, the dog worked well. I mean, he was a phenomenal dog, but as soon as we left, you know, as soon as we left the homeland, touched down in another country, he, he was done. Um, so uh, of course I, I gave him his dues. I tried to work him. I tried quite a few different things to entice him, but it, it just wasn't going to work. And it was too much of a liability. Yeah. That's the last thing you need, man. Is it? Cause you're not looking forward. You're right. You're looking at the dog who's not doing and you're stressed and wondering and, you know, and the guys are pushing, you got to go or whatever, what, whatever. Um, so then you end up just taking Jasmine out of everything. Yeah, I did. Um, so I ended up sending that dog back. Um, one of the trainers from that unit, came over one of the civilian trainers um, just to see it for himself. And, and he did, he, he agreed with everything that I was saying. Um, and it was just, it was too much to work on. It was too far past the dog at this point. So I ended up working Jasmine on everything, which that kind of left me with the, conund the conundrum that I mentioned last time. Um, we were finding, you know, a, a large quantity of explosives almost on a daily basis. And I'm doing it all from a 30 foot lead now with, with a dog that hadn't been trained with any directionals. Um, so I, I started taking some of the workup training that I got with the SMU guys, um, you know, and, and basically ad hoc with YouTube and Pat Nolan videos on teaching this dog directionals, um, real down and dirty. 
um and, and luckily in country in country yeah nice yeah. on live order <laughs> <laughs> live finds you're like hey go the fuck that way go that let's way. try this <laughs> so yeah. were the team guys pretty like understanding on that i mean obviously the dog plays a vital role like you know especially for what you guys were doing um were they pretty understanding about you're like look man like this is not the dog i brought but it's the dog we're working right now and then you bring her out and you're like look this is the replacement and she doesn't know how to do this yet so I mean, you're going to have to bear with me a little bit. Yeah, they, they were absolutely understanding because our, uh, you know, our numbers kind of spoke for themselves. And that, that's not me beating my chest. Her numbers spoke for herself is what I should say. That dog, I can't speak for the other groups. Um, I can't speak for the other units. But, you know, uh, obedience to odor is number one priority in the kennel that I left and the regiment that I left at the time is, uh, and, and it held true Re regardless of anything else. I knew if I placed a dog downwind and I started working that line, if there was something out there, that dog was going to be obedient to odor, no matter what, even if she wasn't being obedient to me right now, she was going to be obedient to odor. And I just had to put her in the right place at the right time. So. Um, so what changed between the deployments? Um, like, as you can say, as far as the way that the stuff was being hidden or like what changed between like Central Africa and, and uh, then in Syria? I mean, obviously uh, other than fucking, then the continent changed, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so are, are you speaking, you're speaking dog specific, correct? Yeah. As much uh, as you yeah, can yeah. get into, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, you know, the battle space changes, what they're using changes. We talked about that uh, debt cord that you nobody had ever seen before. Um, you know, when I was doing the stuff for the West Coast uh, for Cobra Canine, they were really focused on um, pressure plate stuff. But before that, it was not. It was all remote. And then they were using RDX and then they were using HMEs and then a bunch of different things. As much as you can get into what you get, yeah. what you learn differently. It, it was a major difference, at least between those two theaters. And, and prior to that, prior to working a dog, I, I lived in Afghanistan. So I knew that theater inside and out. And this was different than anything I'd ever been involved in. We, we had a no bullshit front line. Um, it was as close to a conventional fight as you can get outside of, I guess, the Gulf War in, in our era. Um, and they had time to they had already dug in. They had years where they had dug in prior to. So they had phase lines built um, and they were a lot more technologically advanced than anyone else I had ever been in conflict with. Um, probably more so than anyone else we've ever been in conflict with in the modern history. Um, so th the triggers were different. Um, we ran across a lot of PIR triggers, a lot of photo cell triggers. Um, daisy chained ieds um i you name it, it it was it was different um there was large large caches of uh soviet era munitions um so we were you know we weren't facing just backyard lab made homemade lab made material we were we were facing military grade explosives and everything in between with you know pretty intricate triggers um so, you know, and then the battle space itself was completely different. We, it was no longer an insurgency, um, you know, and this is the first time for me speaking, not, not just in a dog sense, not just in a handler sense, um, that I ever had to watch the sky 
And, and that was completely different. I mean, we, we owned the sky at a certain altitude, but below that altitude, you know, we, they were flying DJI drones in on us and dropping bombs. And, and you know, it was, everything was different completely. Um, we were living, the living situations were different. We, and this was probably the hardest thing for the dog. Um, it, even the veteran dogs like Jasmine that had been around 11, 12 years, um, we were living in vehicles in up armored vehicles for weeks and weeks at a time, you know, two weeks, three weeks at a time before we'd go back and reset for a day or two. And we were right back out again. So the dog didn't get a reset and you would try as much as you could as the handler to get that dog in the kennel, get some AC on them, um, get them some downtime. But you know, the vehicles always run in mortars are always, our mortar crew was nonstop 24 seven dropping mortars already going off. Um, it, just, it was hard. It, it was a, tough theater to be in you know being as anthropomorphic as I can for a dog um and what I could imagine so I I think I had the right dog for that mission yeah you talk about like you know the difference in training and the difference in being technologically advanced we had Paul Hammond on um you know he worked in Northern Ireland and obviously theirs was a lot different than what you were dealing with there but he made a pretty good comment he was like you know I don't understand why canine handlers in the United States are training on dynamite and C4. And I mean, I understand why they need to train on it, but um, when he was, if you're listening to this, you need to go back and listen to the episode. We did that. Eric, when did we do that? I don't remember. It was a good episode. Uh, we did him. We did him at um, first one hits? of the seminars. Yeah. I think it was at hits. I, I don't know. We'll put it in the show notes or one of us will look it up. First blue line maybe. Yeah. But um, you know, he made a good comment. He was like, if you're, you know, in the United States, you know, we have explosive stuff go only not all the time, but the last major ones that have gone off have all been HME. And he was like, you know, canine, I know canine handlers that, and you know them too. And they're like, you know, they're training on fucking dynamite and RDX. And the one thing the ATF has managed to do correctly is keep that shit out of people's hands for the most part. Um, that's about all they've done correctly. But um, <laughs> so. Um, and if you're my age, every time you train on dynamite, you remember Andy Griffith where the goat <laughs> ate the dynamite and then they walked him out and he exploded out of town. That's an that old guy matter. reference. There's like eight <laughs> listeners are going to be like, got it. Uh, yeah, they're, they're definitely not watching on YouTube. They're listening to it right. uh, probably with probably with corded headphones. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so you, uh, the theater was different and it was super um, environmentally taxing. Um, and so how long, I mean, you're over there and you say, I mean, you make a good point. Like, you know, the dogs never really get downtime. Uh, and that's kind of one thing that, uh, like I'm training a bunch of pets right now and you cannot work those dogs. Like I can only do so many sessions a day before. I mean, they're just gassed and they don't want to do anything. So how much of an issue was um, endurance and uh, what did you have to do like a little differently to kind of address the endurance aspect for being out in the field for 11, 12, 14 days without coming back to resupply? It, it was a balance for sure. Um, so Obviously, you still want to stay current, as current as you can. You're in theater, but you want to stay as current as you can on training because um, the dog needs a constant refresher, um, especially this dog. This dog would try you. Um, she, she wouldn't give you a false positive, um, but it was damn near a false positive where if she was tired, um, she'd get close enough. And then, But she had her telltales. If you worked it long enough, you knew 
so it, it was a balance um and it was a balance with the weather and the heat it was balanced with the stress of the day um and you know i i'd been with her long enough that you know i knew her tales um i knew the signals that she was throwing at me and where she was at mindset wise so it it was a constant watch on that dog um i know you, you brought up something and, and it's kind of off the topic of of what you just asked me but we were talking about that that benign odor it wasn't a benign odor but the odor that that was given all the handlers in theater a problem that one of the other issues we had in this theater specific was um and ammonium nitrate based IEDs, you either have an AMFO or, or you have ANAL, not to be mistaken with, with anal, with half the listeners probably automatically thinking, but ammonium nitrate and aluminum mix. Well, they were using kind of a mixture of both. Um, and what we found was what they were doing was they were taking silver spray paint and spray painting it on plexiglass. And, and we ran across a number of their labs. That this is, we, this is how we found out. And when it would dry, they would scrape it up and they would grind it into powder. And then they would mix that in with the pure ammonium nitrate. Huh. Um, we found so many that Jasmine had inadvertently been imprinted on spray paint. Um, and, and we found this out because once myself and EOD would finish clearing our perimeters, we would mark the edges in spray paint and ground spray paint. Um, and then I'd let her out, let her run around, give her a break and she would run up and alert. Um, or, and it took, it took two or three times before it finally clicked that she was, she was hitting on where we were marking the ground um, with that fluorescent orange paint. Um, and then I had to make sure that's what it was. So I set up a few pseudo boxes with some center block I found out in the field. And uh, sure enough, she was hitting clear as day on spray paint. So I had to proof this dog off of spray paint in the field, in the middle of this theater. Um, so that was another challenge. That's insane. It don't take much either. <laughs> Clever fuckers. They're spray painting and then grinding it up and scraping off a of spray. That's interesting. Here, they just fucking huff it. They, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw some of that today. That's uh, interesting because, you know, I had a dog at one point. I had a bomb dog. But I had a guy going through my trainer's course. He ran a bomb dog and the dog was showing. He wasn't giving us a full alert, but he was giving us a, um, he was giving us some like indications on pot like on marijuana i'm like what in the fuck is wrong with this dog like what's wrong with you you know and um i went back and looked at the paperwork on it and where it had come from and everything else uh come to find out there is a very popular spray fertilizer that's used on that stuff and the dog was like hey this is this is uh <laughs> this is familiar i'm like no it's not but he was right so <laughs> no it's interesting that uh so they would use info and anal and so that's where they got the aluminum because when you said that i was like where the fuck are they going to get it i thought they were going to like steal some aqua boosters or something or whatever and grind them up or find some way to file them down or something but huh interesting i was like god dang that'd take for fucking ever but it's not like a time i got time on their hands so so when you said that half of the uh listeners will think a and a l is anal i don't know about that but half of the host will for sure i can tell you that um <laughs> Because I'm an idiot. So real quick, before we take a break, um, I just want to talk kind of psychological about that theater because I've thought about this a lot. So going back to Afghanistan and probably Iraq and everything, we or you 
the SMUs you're with, the other units you're with, own the evening. They own the night. Night vision's a big thing. I assume that was not the case in this theater. It was probably a little unnerving, that part. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we still own the night. I mean, because we still own the air. Um, yeah. But but yeah, it was definitely more of a threat there. And it was something that we had to be a lot more aware of. Um, and and their their tactical prowess, um, at, at least the initial wave of guys that we were hitting, um, was a lot more on par with conventional units. Um, I mean, they they were running IMT techniques. They were running infantry movement techniques on us. Um, they were using typical bracketing fire with their mortar systems. I mean, it was it, it was a different fight. It, it was a fight that I felt like was worth fighting. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Like, it was good. I mean. Did you get to, did you ever go over and fuck with any of the mortars? I know them dudes like to do that. If they, <laughs> they're like, this is cool. Let me do this. Yeah. So that's, uh, I mean, I had a background in artillery. Uh, I was, I was artillery right. for eight years. So I, I helped the mortar crew. Once I was done and I was, we had done our clear. My job was essentially over. Um, so I would jump in wherever I fit in and I, I typically stayed with the mortar crew plus the mortar crew that we had with us there, they were out of Ranger bat. So I kind of, you know, got along with those guys uh, a little bit. They were more of the same ideology of, yeah. you know, you know, kill everything in the theater. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. Perfect time. to. I like that. It's yeah. perfect time to take a break. We're going to go ahead and take a commercial break. Don't skip through the, um, through the commercials, I know you will. So make sure at the end you look at the show notes uh, for everything. Um, and Ted, do you know how I know they're skipping through the commercials? Because I skip through the commercials, not ours. No. Every other podcast I listen to, I skip I was, through them. Uh, all. I just thought it was because people always inbox me or text me and they ask me for the discount codes. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I have to look it up. up. Yeah. Right. So I can't remember shit. So, anyways, we'll be right back. We have a long-standing relationship with the guys over at HITS Canine Training Conference. Uh, it's truly America's premier canine seminar. It is the largest. It is the best. Um, they cover every important topic in the canine industry. Hundreds and hundreds of vendors, thousands of canine people there. Everybody you know in this industry is there. Ted and I will be teaching. HITS 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida, August 16th to the 19th. Also, check out their website, hitscanine.net. They have other classes that they're putting out online, uh, Zoom classes and all kinds of other things. They're offering in-person classes leading up to HITS 2022, Orlando, Florida, August 16th through the 19th. Check it out, hitscanine.net. Everyone knows me, knows that I live on chicken nuggets and Coors Light. So uh, that doesn't mean your dog should, though. Um, our friends at Kinetic... Um, are make it a, a point to fuel working dogs and they know that it can be tough and they need high quality food, unlike me, to give them energy and the nutrients that they require. I just subsist on air and, you know, Coors Light, which, but the dogs can't, they actually have to work. So for that, we asked Kinetic and Kinetic has come up with a great balance of healthy meats and grains and is made specifically for working and sport dogs. They have a full line of foods and supplements available and they've been working for to perfect their line for thousands of dogs and hundreds of departments across the U.S. You can buy it locally online or at Tractor Supply, or you can get it at Chewy. So head over to their website, kineticdogfood.com, 513-615-6904, and get them on the socials at kineticdogfood. 
So probably the number one product I've ever advertised for or used that set that does what they say is quick turn by vet care. Uh, I have it uh, at my house. I have it at the kennel. I have it at the fun house. I have it at the uh, doggy daycare. I have my trainers have it at their house. It is unbelievable how it works. You guys have all heard Ted and I talk about it, how we've gotten tagged by dogs or dogs do, you know, if you're dealing with working dogs, weird stuff happens, right? Cuts that, how the hell that happened? Bites, scratches, all kinds of things that happen, especially if you're doing anything in the wooded area, they get tore up. Uh, the quick derm by vet care. It is no exaggeration. It is great. So once daily treatment for any skin condition or small wounds to help stop little issues from becoming big ones comes in sprays, ointments, or dressing. Quick derm is great at creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing. The best thing too is they have a discount code. Get on their website, vetcare.us. That's vetcare.us. Put in the discount code 10WDR in capital letters, 10WDR for 10% off your first order. These next guys uh, have actually been on the show and we instructed at uh, the first uh, Tripwire conference down in Florida. Jim O'Brien was a guest on the show uh, and he runs NCK9, who has now come onto the show as a sponsor. Um, Jim's been around for quite a long time, about 13-ish years uh, with experience handling and training law enforcement canines. Um, he uses real-world deployments to develop training program and not rely only on their experience, but current experiences from most of their national canine teams and handlers to provide the best canine partner that you guys can, can purchase. They provide pet training and police canine services based out of Four Oaks, North Carolina, and they serve the surrounding areas. Feel free to give Jim a call, a text, carrier pigeon, however you want to get a hold of him uh, to talk to him about police canine training or pets and techniques and methodologies. So hit him up at 919-438-0141 or J O'Brien. That's J-O-B-R-I-E-N at N-C, letter K number nine dot U-S. Check the show notes. We'll put it there. All right. We are back, guys. Uh Working Dog Radio, Broadcasting the Bite, part two, with our conversation with our buddy Travis Bobo, wearing a sweet-ass Exxon shirt. Um, you need a, some other dude's random name on there. Um, <laughs> I, I was at the uh, Goodwill store looking for uh, shirts, big shirts to put over hidden sleeves, and I found this sweet button-down shirt, a, a guy's work shirt with the other dude's name. And I'm like, this thing do is it's a nice shirt. I'm like, every time I go out, I'm wearing this in case something happens. Who, who do you think you are? Oh, I'm this motherfucker right here, <laughs> right think? here. Be sure to tell the cops when they show up, this is who punched you in the mouth. <laughs> Anyways, I want to switch gears real quick. Um, I just thought of this while we were, Ted, we were talking, Ted and I are messaging on this little zoom message thing. When I was, um, out doing the West Coast stuff, the Navy had an entire service-wide moratorium shutdown on Hilo ops of any kind. Uh, it was something to do with a uh, patent lawsuit over a piece of gear on the on the stop descender. I don't know if it, they were using Petzl or or what they were using. Yeah. So we did no helicopter ops whatsoever, no fast roping, nothing. And um, so I have never had any experience with it, and I. Don't pretend to. And I just realized as we were doing this, I was, I was like, I guarantee you, Travis has done a lot with that. And I want to kind of step back into the training side, if you would, and talk a little bit about what that looks like from a, 
a new dog moving forward, mistakes that, that you see make and what seemed to work best for you with the dogs you had? Yeah, uh, specifically with the helos and desensitizing to the aircraft. Yeah, that and then not just that and then the actual work, you know, if you did any, you know, fast roping or anything, just deploying out of the helicopter kind of because we haven't talked to that about that with any of our guests whatsoever. Yeah, so I mean, it's it, it's approached the same way that everything else is approached in training. I mean, you're approaching it through that successive approximation approach based off of that dog specifically, um, and, and how much they're willing to tolerate, um, and then you know, using their drives, using whatever their highest drive is to coax them along until they finally get comfortable with it through exposure. Um, but what I have found, and this is my experience, again, um, other guys may have other experiences. What I've seen through all the dogs, all the training, all the handlers that, that we worked with, and we worked fast roping quite a bit, only in training. I've never fast roped with the dog live, but but we did train it quite often, um, was that no dog gets used to it. Um, no dog wants to go off that tower, and the first time they go off that tower, they never want to go up that tower again. Um, if they're obedient enough, they kind of go along, but begrudgingly. So our, our way to skin that cat was we just didn't give them the option. You know, you're, you're in a muzzle. We've got the Y harness hooked up to the descender and uh, we just throw the dog off and let the dog's weight carry you off and cam that descender. Um, and then once you're cammed, you get down and it's rainbows and butterflies and tennis balls. <laughs> and they never get used to it though. Yeah, I, I have never seen a dog that's gotten used to it. I've never seen a dog that, that's happy to know that at the end of this, they're getting their reward um, versus almost anything else that we've trained in. I mean, even rifle fire, like, you know, the veteran dogs know at the end of this, I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a reward and I go back in the truck um, and, and you see it in them. But anything with altitude, I, I've never seen, I've never seen the dogs get used to it. Um, so we just finally you know, we just don't give the dogs the option at that point. You're going off this tower. I'm not going to try to coax you off of it. We're just going to throw you off and let your weight carry me. And you're not going to die. Yeah. <laughs> we promise. I promise you're not going to die. Who is it, Eric? I think it's Dustin Wynn that's always posting videos of helo casting <laughs> in the water. And hearing yeah, that he, story, I'm like, I'm like, it looks oh, like he's, I don't know shit. if he developed it, but it shows his system of the way they hold the dog out in front. Right. And they step off into the water from I'm, I'm assuming small and then they get higher in the platform and the way the dog goes down in, it looks pretty, you know, pretty like solid the way they go in. Um, was the whole thing, no one stand under the tower because the anal gland stuff is going to come raining <laughs> down on everybody. Uh, I, I've never, I've never seen it. Um, cool. <laughs> I'm sure it's happened. Um, I do know, uh, I do know of a guy, um, that for some reason they allowed him to get in the tunnel with a live dog for free fall train up and the dog defecated in the tunnel and it shot oh. through the fans. They had to shut the whole tunnel down for like a week and clean it all out. So that Dude, was, I would have loved to have seen that. That's <laughs> fucking great. Yes. Oh. I know what happens on a treadmill when a dog shits on it. Cause they do it every day at my facility. I can't imagine in an air tunnel. Uh, <laughs> that's freaking great. Fucking free fall tunnel. You know them um, dudes in there were like motherfucker. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, uh, so, um, in terms of being in um, that theater too, um, when because when you guys left, 
when you came back, like it was still going on. Uh, what was the kind of like winding down part about? And then uh, I assume your guys' replacements, you had a long conversation with them. Um, but when you like, what was the winding down phase like? And then what was Jasmine like when she got back? Yeah, so the winding down phase, it, uh, we weren't there very long. Uh, it was a four-month trip. Um, but within that four months, um, the mission was almost over um, at that point. There, it was going from a force-on-force, force, um, from a frontline fight to an insurgency, which was um, something that the, you know, the U.S. military was very familiar with at that point. Um, that SMU that I was with, the task force that I was with, was starting to do a formal handoff with one of the groups, um, being that that's their bread and butter was the, the FED missions, the insurgency missions, um, and, and the group that Josh was with at the time. And, and that formal handover started to take place. Um, a lot of the kinetic operations started to die down. Um, but yeah, the, the threat of, of IEDs and explosives was still extremely high, more so than any theater we've ever been in. So, so that rip process between handlers was, was probably the most important rip process taking place uh, from you know, teammate to teammate there. So where's Robbie at this point when you're done? He's, uh, he's still back at the kennel um, at this point. Um, so he, Robbie ended up going to, I want to say he went to one of the other handlers that had a dog wash out um, and became his primary dog at that point. So you never even got the chance to work him after all that training and everything? No, no, no. And then I ended up going back to DLK again once I got back. So I, th I think I've spent nine or ten months total formal um at vlk um because i went back for the uh trainers course which is you know you show up three or four weeks i can't remember it's three or four weeks prior to the basic course taking place um going through imprinting dogs from a green dog bringing them up getting them ready for the students to get there handing them off to the students once they get there and then working hand in hand with the students through the entire basic course did you like that yeah, I did. Uh, I really did. I, I liked probably what I liked about it the most was getting my hands on multiple dogs back to back to back, you know, 10 or 15 dogs a day, um, getting to see the differences in every dog, getting to see the little quirks in every dog, um, getting to kind of fine tune the difference in the drives between dogs and how to handle them. So, I, you know, I think that's that's the bread and butter of a, of a handler, of a trainer is is being able to work whatever problems in front of you right then and there. So that's, that's what I liked about it the most. Um, it did kind of slow down quite a bit once, you know, once the students got there and the basic course picked up, we were just kind of in the backseat uh, helping set problems. Yeah. Ted and I talk about it a lot. It's when you have a group of dogs in your kennel or, or if you're working at a kennel place um, it, it's a factory, it's, it's not glamorous. It's dog working reps, next dog working reps, next dog, next dog, next dog. If you have somebody to bring you the dog or you are working in a team, it works out real well. But when you're like me where I'm doing most of it by myself, I do have a, a kid that helps me now. And, and, and it's nice having that Ted oftentimes is by himself unless he has an intern. Um, and it's just rep after rep after rep after rep. But that's where you learn the difference between being a trainer and just a handler is all the different dogs and the different way they do things. 
So I just got three dogs in the other day, two mouths and a pointer. And um, one's a bomb dog and the other two are going to be drug dogs. The two drug dogs are going to be work completely different than the bomb dog based on their motivation and the way things are going within about a day or two. I figured that out. But I've always said the big difference is between a handler and a trainer is problem solving. And if you want to become a trainer, you should really handle a million dogs and learn from that. Ted, do you, do you agree with all that? Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Like, that's the thing. You know, people ask me all the time. They're like, how many dogs have you trained? That's something like I did in an interview or something and somebody asked me. And I was like, fuck, I don't even know. Like, a lot. <laughs> I mean, I was like, we have dogs in like 18 states or something. And I was like, I, I don't even know. A lot. And occasionally, like early on, I had some dogs that kind of gave me some issues. Uh, but it's kind of the thing. Like, I'll use duck boxes. I'll use poppers. I'll use – one thing I won't do is the throw and retrieve. I don't do that. But, um, you know – it, it depends a lot on because a lot of times I'll get these dogs in and I'm like, well, fuck, this is the dog. I mean, here it is. Or the, the department will bring me a dog. Right. And the dog ends up kind of working out sometimes. And I'm like, it, if he doesn't like doing the Dutch box thing, like that dog that we sold to South Dakota, uh, Giz, he would not play. He did not do that. He did not like Dutch boxes, just wouldn't do it. So if I wasn't proficient with a box protocol, uh, I wouldn't have been able to train him. Or if he was the other way around, like if all I knew was a box protocol and the dog was like, nah, I really want to play tug. You can't really play tug with a fucking tennis ball. So um, it, I, you know, I can't play tug and odor with the dog ball that comes out of a fucking. So, you know, having, and it's two very different methods, like super different. And when I did pepper um, for seal team, she finally went home. So she's going to be on TV again. Um Whoop. Yeah. So I did her and she's on four or five actual bombers. Um, she's on like C4, RDX, deck board, double and single smoke close and something else. Um, but everything with her, and it was interesting because when she came in, uh, one, she's super vocal, which is super fucking annoying. Um, and Melnick was always like, dude, she's got to stop barking. So I extinguished that. The problem was, uh, I'm not going to mention who did her foundation, but, um, the the e-caller anytime she got corrected she would recall so it was basically a force recall so i couldn't correct her at source for barking or pawing because if i tag her with an e-caller she'd come back to me which i didn't want her to do so it was an interesting problem to solve uh, i put a huge patreon video up on it um, i started her out in the box protocol dutch boxes and then i independently worked on a off-leash recall and off-leash hunt um, with sort of like Travis was talking about with directionals and I can direct her from 50 meters away. I can like yell at her and point and she'll go that direction and look, she'll look for landmarks. Like she'll look for cars and like we do some route clearing stuff with her, uh, but she'll hunt her ass off by herself. And then there's videos of me that are, you can find them that I just like hear me say pepper. Yes. And she comes back and fucking mocks back and I catch her on tug. And, but it was an interesting problem because I'm like, fuck, how am I going to keep one keeper from barking? Cause I can't use a bark collar because she tries to recall. So I had to cap her drive without pressure. So it was an interesting, uh, it was an interesting problem to solve. And it took me a little bit. I'm like, fuck, how am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. And so I figured it out though, but it turned out to be, uh, yeah, I mean, most people have just written her off now because she's not an actual, I mean, Melanie's still a cop. She's not an actual like NPC or police dog, but because I had time, I'm like, all right, I can probably like, because if I had to figure this out on an actual dog, I'd be like, this is not the right dog. Uh, turns out if I had six months to do it, which I did, 
um she turned she she could be a legit fucking explosive dog like no problem i mean she is she'll be she'll get a hundred yards away from you looking and the direction was i could clean up but i didn't need to because she's not gonna like the cameras can't see that far for cbs so yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter she's not gonna be that far away from the camera but um Diamond. I can see that far, and I can't see close now. That's turned out to be a problem. <laughs> I'm almost 52, dude. August 7th. Um, so you're up there um, learning, running running the handler courses. Handler courses can be super frustrating, um, enough yes. that I'm canceled my fall one because I don't want to do one for a while. I've done a million handler courses over the last several years, and I'm over it for a while. Um so you get done there. Then what happens? Where do you take that? What goes with that? Uh, so I ended up while I was there, ended up running a dog um, because we needed, a, we needed a spare at the kennel. So while I was going through, I was running another dog. So I, all the students would run through the problems first. Um, and then I'd pull this dog out and I'd run him through and, and it gave me something else to do while I was there. Um, ended up getting that dog back to the kennel. Um, and that was about, honestly, that was about it for me, for my military career. I got back. Um, there was a lot of things that, that, that were going on with me, um, TBI wise. Mm -hmm. And, uh, luckily I had a phenomenal kennel master that had been there before and, and seen these signs. And, uh, I was actually on cue to deploy again. Um, and I want to say it was back to the same theater. Um, I was supposed to go back to the same theater, back with the same group of guys. Um, I'd already been with them. They wanted me to come back with them. And uh, he pulled me and he said, look, you've uh, you've got two choices here. He was like, you're either going to go get checked out and uh, and do it on your own accord or I'm going to make it a command directed um, and, and you're going to go either way. Um, so, of course, I was livid. Um, extremely livid because um, this it, it is something in the special operations community that it, if you do the job long enough, it's kind of a death sentence. If you go there and you're not truthful, it's kind of a one and done. Um, and if you go there and you are truthful, uh, it, chances are they're going to find a disqualifier in you anyways. Um, and they ended up finding four disqualifiers in me. Um, I had scarring on the brain from uh, an IED I was in, in that theater. Uh, we were in a 500 pounder uh, VBID. I was two vehicles away, knocked us all out in the vehicle, decimated our partner force that was leading us out. It vaporized all five of them. Um, I had broke my neck twice on two separate incidents um, and, and some other stuff, but they, they found enough to uh, basically disqualify me from the military at that point. And um, I was offered because of my time in, um, I was offered what they call continue active duty service, um, where they basically stamp you with a non-deployable status and you ride a desk for the rest of your time. I, I had three years left or right under three years left. I couldn't see myself riding a desk. No one joins SF to ride a desk. Um, and looking at it from a monetary standpoint, um, it, it was the same either way. It, it was the same whether I got out right then um, or if I stayed in for, for three years. So that kind of moved me to the next chapter. Um, but that that happened almost immediately after getting back from that third trip at, at VOK. Yeah, that's um, – that's... so <clears throat> I, have, I had a TBI from a motorcycle crash, right? And, um, the stuff I went through is probably similar to a lot of, 
uh, what you did, but um, I didn't like, I still don't remember the crash. I remember riding and then being in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. And I'd been in the ambulance for about a half an hour by the time I, you know, came to and what I was going to ask you was before was, did you know exactly what incident caused it? Or was it accumulation of, you know, breaches? I'm sure there's a lot of breaching charges, things that, that they associate with that. Um, but then you answered it with just, just the 500 pounder alone, you know, probably caused a pretty good bit of it. I had, um, I have nine lesions on my brain from something and they don't know if it's from the motorcycle crash or some other things. Cause I had to get tested for MS. Cause they're like, if you have nine lesions, you have MS, you're fucked like pretty bad. So when they did a spinal tap and it turned out to not be MS, I was pretty excited about that. However, I still can't remember most things on a daily basis. I, I've talked about this a little bit before. When you're in law enforcement and you shoot and kill somebody, you remember that guy forever, right? So I was in a shooting in 1999. I remember that date, the time, and the guy's name. with No problem. I was involved in another shooting in 2012 uh, where we killed the guy. I can't remember the date. I don't know his name. I remember the incident. I don't remember the address. I don't remember. And it's pretty, pretty bad. Um, so for me, it, it really manifests itself in, in um, anger and in uh, memory issues and then angry from being, from not having memory. So that's one of the reasons why I retired a couple of years early. I was like, I, I got to get out. Um, but uh, so when you get out, so since you've been out, I've talked to a lot of guys that, Hey, we have Travis Bobo on most trainers, dog trainers or providers or vendors in, in, in North Carolina and some know you pretty well. So when you got out, did you hop right into dogs pretty quick? Yeah. Um, so I, I saw it coming. Um, the, the transition, the transition of getting out takes some time. So it, it took a little over a year. Um, so I, I knew it was coming. Um, love working with dogs. Um, definitely a passion of mine something that I wanted to stay in. I wanted to stay in the community. So I, I started my own LLC, um, just like uh, everyone getting out of SF starts their own company and thinks that they're yeah. going to be a millionaire. Um, so yeah, right. started up a company called uh, Heartland Canine. It's going to start producing my own dogs, um, start selecting my own dogs and, and uh, you know, at least getting the initial stages done and, and selling dogs, but, you know, um, North Carolina is extremely saturated, as, as you guys know. Uh, a lot of competition here. Um, I had yeah. a decent name in the community, or at least I th think I had a decent name in the community. Um, and by happen chance, ran into Michael Vaden, who was currently the owner of Griffin Group Security Solutions. And I had been through one of his courses in 2013. We went through an insider attack training Um and, and coincidentally enough, about six months later, I, I was in an insider attack and I, I could link the training that I just went to into, you know, instrumentally helping me survive that attack. Um, whereas half the team was either wounded or killed um, in that attack. And uh, so we were talking about that. And he was asking what I was doing. I told him about the company and he was like, well, you know, why don't you, why don't you drop the company and just come work for me? I've got the money, I've got the resources and you can run your own program. We don't have a dog program and you can build it from the ground up. And I, I, I just couldn't walk away from that. So that kind of led me into the defense contract training side of things and, and started down that path. 
Uh, I hadn't gotten the, the, I don't know why there was two times. I think Ted, were you there twice at Griffin or just once? We were supposed to go twice. We just went once. Um, yeah. Ted, we were going to do an HRD there, but COVID, like we were supposed to do it in March, I think of 2020 and COVID, like COVID, COVID did it. And yeah. so it just like fell apart because it was not going to happen because nobody could train. There was all kinds of like stop orders and transfer to, for travel. And I mean, dudes were having trouble training in their hometown, much less driving to fucking yeah, North right. Carolina. But the facility was awesome. I mean, you know, we went out and hung out with Travis and Blaylock for a day, two day, day, I think a day. I don't remember. Yeah. We were driving around fucking knocking people off. The yeah. Road. say you get to drive and do some fun <laughs> shit in cars. I think good pit stuff. Yeah. These so, guys are sending yeah. me pictures of hard ons. I'm like, God, come on. <laughs> Stop. No, we went through that insider training, uh, the insider attack thing that Travis is talking about. And uh, one of my buddies is a firearm instructor here in Tulsa. Um, it has a version of that. And I kind of shared some of that with him. And I was like, oh, and I was out there. And he was like, that's fucking genius. And I've had done that with our canine handlers uh, with sim rounds. And it's pretty interesting. Uh, like, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting, like, I mean, you can't refute like what you're seeing in front of you. <laughs> like, I don't know any other way to put it. I mean, because I thought watching it happen, I was like, I can pretty much tell what's going to happen here. Because we had a guy that was a cop, uh, Andrew Sterner was there. Um, and then we, I think Clover was there and somebody else. And I was like, okay. I was like, I can kind of see how this is going to go. And I was wrong. So <laughs> it was an interesting, I mean, you can't refute like what, I mean, so Ray shot me in the fucking face. That sucked. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> with a fucking mask and it like got stuck in my beard and that I had green paint in my beard. That was terrible. Mm-hmm. A lot of dudes got scars in their face from sim rounds. Yep. Motherfuckers. That in your hands. You get hit in the hands of sim rounds. It's like, son of a bitch. Okay, I'm dead. It sucks. All right, guys. This episode has been brought to you by great sponsors of ours. Please don't skip through this. Take a listen to them. One of our oldest sponsors and great friends of ours are the people down at Highland Canine down in North Carolina. Um, I really like them. We have, we see them at all the conferences. I know a lot of people have been to their school for dog trainers. They've been on the podcast Highland canine. They're a full service canine and pet dog training business where they can train you to be a trainer. They can get you a dog. They have handler classes. They have supervisor classes. They have trainers courses for just LE. They have them for anybody who wants to be in, uh, in the dog business, be a dog trainer of any kind. Um, Check them out. Their website is tacticalpolicek9training.com, tacticalpolicek9training.com. If you are smart, you'll go down there in the winter. It is North Carolina. It is warm. You get to work dogs. It's no, no joke school, guys. You're not going down there for a month um, and, and rushing through it. They're actually trying to make you real deal dog trainers. Uh, tacticalpolicek9training.com. Next is a sponsor that's been with us for quite a while, uh, Dogtra. I love Dogtra stuff, and they continually keep bringing out new products. Uh, one of the things that I've been using a lot lately is the new Tone Box. If you're a pet trainer or if you train a lot of police officers, and I harp at my guys all the time about timing, and this thing literally kind of pairs to the, to the remote, and when you're using the remote, whether you're using Nick Constant or Vibrate, it makes a noise. So you can get the timing down 100% consistent. And so I can demonstrate how to do an out with an e-caller immediately, quickly. And it is so effective that I can't believe that it took me forever to figure it out <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to get that. They've also got these new um, comfort feather like titanium things that go on the collars that uh, are 
fantastic for making sure we got contact. It actually has six points and this comes in two sizes and it's a titanium feather thing. They're awesome. They got comfort, comfort contact points for the bark collars, the YS 600. One of my favorite things. I have about 50 of them at the kennel and it is dead silent. And I put them on all the pet dogs and I can leave them on because they have the comfort contact points and they're fantastic. All this stuff you can get at dogtr.com. And if you use the discount code WDR10, you get 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. So that covers the ball trainer, that covers the 1900 ask hands free, which is my personal favorite for all the big dogs. Uh, it covers the two dog system, uh, the 202C, which I use for the two dog pet guys, and fantastic. So dogtr.com or go to at dogtra official on all the socials. That's Facebook, Instagram, all those places. So hit them up, dogtra.com. Guys, I don't even shop any other sites when I'm looking for everything for dogs. Our one-stop shop for anything pet dog training and police dog training, hunt dog training, anything you need, you can find at rayallen.com. They have been doing it forever. We have a great relationship with them. Um, again, they're at all the conferences. You can stop up and talk to them. They have more stuff there than any place. RayAllen.com. They are amazing. We have a great, uh, really, really good relationship with those guys. Um, like I said, I get on their website. I do not look anywhere else. I just get on Ray Allen. Why, why should I fill up my cart, pay it, boom, shipping. Here we go. Uh, everything's coming. RayAllen.com. And guess what? We do have a discount code for them. Working dog radio for 10% off. It's all one working dog radio and it's all caps. Check them out. RayAllen.com. I'm not too shaped to admit that I used our own discount code to buy stuff for the kennel. We have American Aluminum next. They're a new sponsor for uh, moving forward. Um, they have been around for quite a while. They manufacture a wide variety of products from the high quality cam lockers and toolboxes to a huge line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of law enforcement community. Back in 1992, due to the demand for safe, secure transport for a nearby law enforcement department's canine, they introduced the very first Easy Rider canine. They have continuously grown and expanded products, catering to the needs and wants of the valued customers and high-profile clientele. Over the years, as the needs have changed, they have evolved and expanded their products to include inmate transport systems, canine training aids, canine inserts, contraband, containment, and animal control systems, just to name a couple of things. So you can find them at easyrideronline.com. That is Easy Echo Zulu Rider Online. Com. You can find them on the socials at American Aluminum Accessories, and then you can hit them up toll free 1-800-277-0869. You don't have to worry about writing all that down. We're going to put it in the show notes. So just scroll down to the bottom, write it down, click the link, takes you straight there under your phone. Our first sponsor we ever had, he's been, he's our ride or die. He's been with us since the beginning is Arno over at ALM Canine Equipment. His stuff is so good. Ted, you know, gets suits. He, and listen, Ted's suit. He's had it for a long time. Arno's fixed it. He's uh, taken a million bites on it. It still holds up. The thing's amazing. I've got a suit from him. I love it. Use it all the time. Uh, but the main thing that I really love about Arno is his hidden sleeves are ridiculously amazing. They are the best. And his tugs. I usually buy tugs from Arno by the box load. He'll send me a whole bunch of them. I hand them out to the handlers, new handlers when they come in experienced handlers uh they last for a long time they're amazing the craft work is is great arno's doing all the the sewing there he's got pre-made suits he can do custom-made suits everything you need um out there and he's out there in sunny las vegas 
Get on his website, check him out, almk9equipment.com, almk9equipment.com. Discount code WDRADIO, all caps, 10% off your first order. Check him out. So we talked about in the first episode, you guys sold Griffin, uh, went out pretty well, things, you know, and you moved on. It's funny, dude. So those three dogs I told you about, the two miles and the and the uh, pointer I got came from our buddy Scott at Next Level Kennels down in oh, North yeah, Carolina. Yeah. And he told me you were just there just recently. Not well, a little while ago. And he's like, dude, there's something here in your eyes, he believes, when you're around the dogs that you still miss. Is, that, is he accurate there or what? Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely accurate there. Um, I, I think it's going to be a passion that I'm going to have for a very long time. Um, I think what ended up getting to me was um, honestly the the community. Um, it seemed to me to be so cutthroat and and so backstabbing that I, I just didn't want to deal with it. And and I saw it when I was working at Griffin, and, and you know I. I actually went and applied to K2 prior to working for Griffin. Um, so I went down, did their entire interview process because they were right up the street. Mm-hmm. And um, they gave me the ominous dominus. And they were like, yeah, we, we, we want you. We want you to come in and help out with the NPC program. Um, we feel it should be an added benefit. And But it was, you know, it was a dollar short and a day late. Uh, I'd already talked to Mr. Baden. He'd already hired me on. So I told him and, and I, you know, I, I just told him outright, I was going to take that opportunity and go over there. And uh, it wasn't two or three months later, they approached us um, and they didn't know that we had a canine program yet or that I was in the process of standing one up um, to, to use the facility. And it, it once they deferred that contact, whoever that was at the time to me, and they were like, you need to talk to our canine guy. They kind of went blackout on me. And, and it wasn't, but six or seven months after that, I reached out to them and was like, you know, why don't we do something together? You know what? Let's not oppose each other. Let's help each other out. We're, we're this close to each other. You guys have a phenomenal facility. We've got a phenomenal training facility. Why don't, why don't we get together and, and do something? And, and again, it was just crickets across the board. Um, but that, and that's just one of many, many incidences um, that I've ran across. And that's, you know, outside of the normal squawk and white noise that happens on the social media side. Um, and, and it kind of just drove me away from the whole thing. But when it comes to working dogs, actually, you know, have my hands on the dogs in a box room, imprint and odor. Yeah, I, I love it. That's probably one of my favorite puzzle pieces to work on. So well, uh, I know you're out in the country now, like out in the middle of the country. You can always stop by Ted's and grab some leashes, man. You can guarantee <laughs> yeah. he'll be like, uh, yeah, come on in. So here's something I want to say to folks that are interested in this business or are um, maybe handlers coming out of the military or the handlers and their police, police handlers. You are not, and I mean not gonna make any money you're not the people who make money like good livable money selling dogs are already doing it there you're not you're just not no one's gonna come in and become the next big thing in the police canine world it's not happening so i don't mean to burst your bubble and i'm telling you ted and i both have very successful businesses in this 
and we make money on pets more than we do on police dogs anymore. The margins now are not good. You almost make no money. So don't think, and I, and I'm not trying to be an asshole to people, but I'm telling you, Joe Schmo handler at blah, blah, police department in Wisconsin, you are not going to start a business doing police dogs and make any fucking money. I'm just telling you, you're not give it up, give up the idea. It's not happening. Too many big guys are making almost all of the money. You have guys like Ted and I that are, you know, doing okay with it, but we are not fucking rich. We are not able to only do police dogs. The guys who are only doing police dogs have set that up now and they're in. That's just the way it is. The cost of shipping alone from Europe will run you out of business. That's yeah. all there is to it. I'm telling you right now, do something else. And Travis found this out. The cutthroat industry, the big boys, if they want, will fuck with you. I have a massive kennel an hour and a half from me, probably third biggest in the United States. Now I get along with that guy. So he doesn't destroy me, but, and I may, and I do some and he does some and we refer dogs back and forth to people and it works out real well, but he's making seven figures and I for sure am fucking not. And I think I'm as good or better a trainer myself personally. So, um, so Travis now is in something completely different. Like, I mean, there might be dogs, but it's gar dogs eating fucking garbage or dogs you run out of a place you're trying to demolish. So once you make the decision that it's just not it's just not for you and you don't want to do it, how do you get into where you're at? Where where does this experience come from? Yeah, so I I I didn't know what I was gonna do once we sold the company, and I, and I had a nice little cushion once we sold because while I was at Griffin, a couple of years I was there, I. I worked my way up through the ranks because I could teach almost everything in the schoolhouse. Right. So, um, you know, for some reason, Mr. Vaden decided to promote me to president of the company. Um, so I, I was, I was there for the sale and, and, you know, was helping him along with the sale. So, I, you know, he, he gave me some proceeds out of the sale. So I had some time to think about it. I, I had a little bit of money that I wanted to invest. I knew that I wanted to work for myself. I didn't want to go work nine to five. Um, I didn't know that within the first two or three months of, of people finding out that I was no longer at Griffin, that I was going to get phone calls from every major dog company that was out there. Mm. Um, but I didn't know if that was something that I wanted to walk back into. Um, and again, I would have to work for somebody else at their rules, at yeah. their pace, at their, and, and I just think I was at a point in my life. I didn't want to do that. So I was looking at the industries that looked like they weren't affected by COVID um and, and did some research and it seemed like the construction industry kind of took off everything else died it seemed like they were immune to that that economic distress that was happening and i was trying to figure out you know what do i do how, how do i get into that i'm not a general contractor i don't know how to build um and, and it seemed like demolition was the way to go um and the overhead was extremely cheap i needed small pieces of equipment i needed a truck that could haul a lot of weight and a dump trailer and how to break stuff without breaking stuff that i wasn't supposed to break um and i figured i could do that um so that's kind of what drove me into this and it kind of took off uh, on a glide path I wasn't expecting. Um, the first month we got one job and then the next month we haven't stopped working. I have to force 
forcibly take weekends off. We, we easily work 14 hours a day. Um, we're in the process of standing up a second crew. We're in the process of branching out and getting into logistics and, and starting to run hotshot trucks. Um, we're in the process of purchasing a sawmill and some other stuff to kind of expand upon that. So, it, and it's all feeding itself too, um, which was kind of the business nature I wanted to get into. And, but to, to answer your question before I keep ranting was, you know, I just wanted to get into an aspect of the economy that seemed like it was immune to what was going on at the time. Yeah. Pets is the same though. Ted yeah. and I found out God oh, makes dogs every day, right? Never will stop ever. So let me ask you this question based on what you're doing with the demolition. Um, have you become the uh, scrap metal market price guy yet? You have a guy that does that. Is it you? Are you becoming an expert in that shit? Yeah. So this is, this is how I skin that cat. Um, it's not worth my time to scrap metal um, for what I charge and then to have to separate it out and bring it somewhere else or wait till I have a full load. Um, so if I go into, let's say a property management team hires me and they're wanting to do a gut of their apartments or they have a renter that left everything behind after they were evicted and they left all their appliances and all that stuff. So to save trailer space and to save my clients money, cause I charge them by the load or by the quarter load um, or I charge them a day rate. So, but either way, it's going to cost me money in the long run. If I have to run it somewhere and drop it off, um, they're going to charge me to drop it off. Any landfill is, um, I'll call the guys that do scrap metal and tell them to get over there. So I've got a network across the state now uh, of dudes that that's all they do is scrap metal or fix appliances or fix lawnmowers. And I'll call them and give it to them for free, but they're helping me out in the same. So it's, it's just like anything else. It's all about networking, all about who, you know, all about saving that bottom dollar and that bottom line. So. You know, as you grow, it's going to be tough. You know, uh, we have some friends over here that we, we get a lot of buildings from the train and their big thing is demolition and they make the, a lot of their money. They'll buy buildings, demolish them, and then make money off the scrap. And I'm sure they started doing exactly what you were doing, but they got to a point where it was so big, you know, and that, that's just, and I don't really know mu that much about the industry except for talking to the dudes because they're hard charging party motherfuckers that, that donate a ton of money to canine and we love them. They, um, but yeah, they, they know every single in and out of that business. Ted, what do you got? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a relationship thing. That's what you always say. Like canine is built on relationships. Like it's not, I mean, if all you had, if, if everyone based their decisions on where to buy canines and just police dogs based on the trainer's skill, there wouldn't be any bad ones. And yeah there are <laughs> so i saw a bid notification come through a large state um i'm not going to mention the state but this is their bid notification you have to agree to a price of a dog for 36 months and they can buy up to and this was they can buy up to 22 dogs and they'll buy no more than three at a time so you're the most they'll buy in 36 months is 22 dogs right so you have to guarantee a price for that amount of time then when they'll say, they'll say, when we choose to buy a dog, we'll buy no more than three at a time, but we need three to pick from. So at a minimum, you have to have nine dogs on site all the time to satisfy that contract. And then there's under, they're under no obligation to buy it from you. And I was like, I read it. I was like, fuck these guys. 
And I was like, it's a huge state agency. And I'm yeah. like, yeah. And they're always bitching like their trainer. I know him. And he's like, man, we're always having trouble finding dogs. I'm like, you know why? Right. And he's like, Oh, I know why. And so I saw who got the dogs. Um, because I was part of the bid process. I didn't, I bid some ridiculous number. I was like, sure, I'll do it. I was like, they want to pay for it, which I did not win. <laughs> and the guy that won, um, I'm not going to mention the kennel, but is not, I, I know why they get bad dogs. Uh, this, this state, it's a large, it's a highway patrol slash state police agency. And I'm just like, I, I get it. I mean, I understand why, but I mean, if that was, and that, that is some dickhead, some bean pound counter at um, accounting office saying that's how they do it here in Tulsa. Like the, the TPD guys don't get to pick their vendor. The fucking, the city hall guys are like, Oh, they hand them a slip. Like, cause I get the bid notifications for them too. And I get to see who's bidding on it also. And I'm like, not even worth it. Like, because you're going to make $400 on a dog sale. Now, granted they buy green, but I mean, it's like, and then their, their testing is super stringent. Their health testing is ridiculous. Um, not ridiculous. It's just very um, thorough. I'll put it that way. Um, a lot more thorough than any other agency I've ever dealt with, which is fine. I mean, I've sold six dogs to them. I think I've got five working on TPD, four or six, or I don't know, about five-ish. Um, and they do a good job. Like those trainers are fucking fantastic. Uh, the guy that runs a unit, Ryan Woods is a super professional. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, it's a relationship business for sure. Like it is definitely who, you know, not what, you know, that is 110% true. Like you said, like the giant kennel next to you, Eric, like, and that dude, like we get along. I love him to death. He's a great guy. I mean, you know, we've yeah, had him on the podcast. Fun. So like, I mean, he's a good dude. So real quick, before we finish here, Travis, there's been, two great episodes. Um, the one thing I like to do is, so let's go back real quick. The dogs that you worked, if you had to take a characteristic of each dog to make a, the perfect one that you would have loved to work more than anything, what would you have taken from each one? Oh man, I would, uh, I would have definitely taken the obedience from my first dog, um, from Donder. Um, she she was push button. She was a robot. Um, probably taking the drive from one of the last dogs that I ran. Um, never got to deploy with him, but his drive was through the roof. Um, he was a Dutch, big, like Rottweiler head having Dutch. Um, his name was Jay, um, but the dog was insane. He was uncontrollable, but his drive was phenomenal. When you got him out of the truck to go to work and, and you got rid of his little quirks and it was time to work, the dog was, was insane. Um, and I don't, I don't think you could shut that dog down. I don't think you could shut him down with a ball peen hammer. Uh, he was just going to keep working. Um, and then probably the, <laughs> the intelligence of Jasmine. Jasmine was my favorite dog to work by far, but uh, you know, it's, I'm kind of partial to her. I've deployed with her multiple times and, and, she had seen, you know, 10 or 11 handlers prior to me. She, wow. she had been deployed more than me. She, she knew the theaters better than I did. And, uh, you know, the dog was all around a phenomenal dog and you could watch the wheels turning in that dog. She was one of those dogs. You could see her thinking and problem solving before she did something. So, uh, you know, those, if I could combine those three dogs, I think that would be the perfect dog. Yeah. If you have a dog that can be an interpreter, so to speak for you in the theater, you know what I mean? You, that's pretty freaking hard to, to, to beat. Yeah. So what, um, so what does the future hold for you here? Just 
working so damn much that you're not going to be able to do anything or what's going on? Yeah, that, that's kind of the plan is I, I want to play through. Uh, I want to play through with this business that I've started. Um, I want to see where it goes, see where it takes me and just grow it as, as, as big as I can grow it. Um, still playing with dogs. Um, my fiance is a dog trainer out of Canada. Um, I still talk with Scotty on the regular, uh, you know, I still touch bases every now and then with, with some of the other guys in the community, you know, Ken Pavlik, I still talk to Roy every now and then I'll talk to, uh, um, every now and then when Ted's not busy as hell, we'll shoot a text back and forth to each other. Um, <laughs> so, you know, David Blosser hits me up from time to time. So I, I'm still there. I'm, I'm itching to go throw some jude on and get up there with Scotty and take some hits with some dogs just because it's been a while and I need to be reminded that I, I can be put on my ass. So, you know, I, I, I'll be around. I plan on staying in the community. I'm just not going to be full tilt. Yeah. Well, I, I said, if you ever get over to Ohio, you're welcome with me anytime. Sorry, I got a dog that looks like, sounds like he's about to puke on his dog, but that's not good. Um, and I guarantee you, Ted's the same way. We always got dogs in the kennel that can be worked. Even if we're down to a couple, they need reps, you know? And I like um, to have as many people work the dogs that I have as possible so that the dog is working for the sake of working and yeah. not because yeah. I'm the one holding the, the leash. That's why, like, I have a shepherd in my kennel right now. If I bring him in the room to do detection and you're standing in the room, you're pretty, it's pretty convincing as he's coming in that he's going to bite you. But if we walk outside and flip it around and I give the leash to you and I'm in the middle of the room and you come right back in, I'm pretty sure he's going to bite me. So until, <laughs> until you start, he's just, it doesn't matter who's holding the leash. He wants to work period. And, and, and I, I really like that. So man, you're welcome up anytime. Um, my place is best in the winter because my facility is heated with four bathrooms and 40,000 square feet with a simulation shoot house in it. And right now in the summer, it's hot as balls in that motherfucker. Like That's I have because, fans running everywhere. It's <laughs> because you have that fucking creepy tombstone in the basement. Yes. And, and, and the there is fucking, a grave in my basement fucking, of the building, a person buried there. from 1857 in there. Oh, so, legitimately buried. Yes. Yeah. There's oh, a fucking awesome. tombstone in the basement of that building. Like, I went down there, and it's dark. Like, dark, you can run nods in the daytime dark and still not see shit down there. Dark. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's fitting. I just bought a 1902 church that's been renovated into a house, so it's, it's creepy as hell here, too. Yeah. Plus, I don't have a neighbor for, like, two miles, so it's it's pretty creepy at night. So that's that's fitting. I might have to take you up on that just to complete the circle. Yeah. And And – it looks like you're doing well because that house you're in sounds like a giant cathedral. It it's basically like, is. Behind it's it looks a, huge. It's an 1800 square foot studio apartment, essentially. No, they they no didn't shit. build rooms when they converted it into a house. So like I'm looking at my bed and my kitchen at the same time. So real, real quick, I know I asked you about this dog. Same dog as last time. You're, the dog is awesome. Looks like a good companion. You told me whose dog it is. Just tell me the dog's name. Everybody wants going to want to know. Oh, this is uh, this is Kitty. This is Jessica Kelly's uh, personal dog. She is a Malinois nanny dog mix. She's a man. Yeah. You can see that in her face, her head. Yeah. Yeah. She's a good dog. That's that's freaking awesome. So, Ted, where where can you be found? Uh, Torchlight Canine, letter K number nine. Torchlight Pets. Um, for all of the uh, silly dog 
photos. Uh, I have the Northern European Terror Squad here right now. I have a Malinois puppy, a Dutch Shepherd puppy, and a German Shepherd puppy in the kennel, and uh, they're shitheads. And so I, I got to get them out. I want to take a picture of them with all of them together. But it's like Puppy Fight Club. Like they're fucking dickheads. They're all I, one of them. I think is like twenty something weeks old, and the other two are like fourteen and sixteen weeks old. They're just jerks. Um, <laughs> But uh, Torchlight, that, we'll put them up on Torchlight Pets. I'm going to take them out. Um, and then podcast is uh, under, working underscore dog underscore radio, of course. Um, and then HRD, um, we just, I think when we were on last time too, I mentioned we just uh, finished up solidifying one for South San Francisco City, February or January 31st through February 2nd. Um, so we're in the next one. I leave here in two or three weeks. By the time this airs, like I have a week away, uh, I'm going to Billings, Montana. Uh, for HRD and that one sounds like it's full I think we have 19 teams and seven or eight audit spots wow that's a lot so, of audits yeah uh, so that's what I said when I, like when Ray texted me I'm like or sent me the like the roster I'm like what the fuck what like okay I'm like I don't, I mean it's fine with me but um, they're from agencies like I think some from a state agency like they're from not I mean some of they're obviously from Montana but I'm trying to remember where the other ones are from oh whenever we do record after the fact I'll remember but um that one's looking good. So, um, and then we just got news that the spot one's full. So, um, in cool. Louisiana, yeah, Louisiana in October after Philly. So I'm going back to Philadelphia, and then leaving and going straight to Louisiana. So, in October. So, uh, yeah, HRD Police K9 HRD. Uh, it's on Instagram and Facebook, and I don't think we have Twitter. No, we don't use Twitter, but yeah. uh, except talking shit to reporters. So, uh, Travis, as always, it's been awesome, man um it's been fantastic part two yeah part two um, yeah, we didn't get to, i'm glad I you guys to, had me back i wanted to cover the dogs the like and you know mm -hmm. how you ended up like doing this um because i got questions people asked me like oh well how did he get out i'm like fuck i know we're gonna cover it i know so <laughs> it's just kind of like people are like oh we only got half the story i'm like all right well yeah, if we we're joe rogan we'd have got the whole thing oh yeah know, probably got high fucking whatever fucking five hours fucking five hour <laughs> podcast yeah. I, i'm out of patience for that so <laughs> yeah i gotta go to the kennel so thanks travis yep. i really appreciate it man good yep. talking yeah, to yes you. sir thanks for having me back on again yeah yep. and uh be yeah. safe don't let some shit fall on your fucking head when you're knocking stuff down you know keep watch watch for shit on the floor yeah right just like yeah. <laughs> no one out bring safety <laughs> yeah they, well don't, yeah don't safety third is our motto so we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> safety third yeah. yeah all right we'll see you guys thanks yeah Got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother D E G E dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co produced by Alicia Brandt.